to you. Thanks, worship team. Uh, you guys do an awesome job every week. Appreciate it. Um, hey, looking forward to sharing God's word with you this morning. Before I do that, just want to make a few comments here. Uh, first off, for those of you who haven't heard, um, I mean, most of you would have heard by now, that last week it was announced that I'll be completing my time here at Grace Church as of September 30th. And you should know that was a very, 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 <laughs> don't want to get emotional. It was a difficult decision to make. Thanks, man. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, that was a very difficult decision to make, but we made it. And, um, uh, you know, it was about eight years ago this summertime where um, we packed up my belongings, packed up the family, um, hopped in a U-Haul truck, my dad, my brother, and it was fun driving out here, you know, looking forward to joining Grace Church. And I'm so glad that Grace Church has been a part of our journey. And... Um, We'll miss Grace Church. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> uh, I'm just looking forward for the next, I guess we only have about two and a half months or so left, and looking forward to having a positive transition time. And I want to say this, I don't need to be awkward at all, but I think it's important to say this, uh, that, you know, there's been a lot of misinformation that has gone around, which has been very disheartening. And um, it, I wasn't planning on saying this, but I'll say it this way. I kind of feel like I've been living in a twilight zone. Just, oh my gosh, I can't believe that was said, or this was said, or that was said. But that's okay. Um, that, that happens sometimes, and we need to forgive each other, make allowances for each other. That's okay. But I just want to say this. I just want to, I don't want to say this every week or whatever, but I just want to give a, just an open invitation to anyone. Um, for those of you who have questions, or maybe you're shy about asking, if you want to ask questions, just just approach me if you like, and I'll be as respectful as possible to everybody. I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus. I'm not going to make anybody look bad. Uh, I don't want to cause disunity in the church, but I want to uh, correct any misinformation that has gone out there for everyone's sake. So uh, you can feel free to approach me, and uh, I'd love to. I don't want to do email stuff that just gets people angry. So um, just give me a call. We can talk in person over the phone or in person, and I'd be happy to meet with anyone. And uh, and um, I, think, I, I think speaking the truth is important for the purpose of uh, church unity, for the purpose of um, making sure we, don't, we learn from our mistakes and we make sure we don't repeat history for the next pastor and uh, just, you know, set things up for success for, for everybody. So I just, just want to give that open invitation to anybody. Also, let me, let me just say this as well. Um, I'm happy to talk to anyone, not just while I'm being paid by the pastor, uh, by the church, sorry. Uh, even if five years from now you have a question, and um, just give me a call, and, and I'll let you know what you need to know while respecting everyone, while being confidential, and while being truthful at the same time. So we'll leave it at that, and let me, let me just pray, and we'll jump into the message today. Lord, you are such a good, good God. You are an amazing God. You are a gracious God, and you never leave us no matter what we go through. And I pray your blessing over Grace Church, Lord, that you would bless you would bless Grace Church. You would bless its future. You would bless the future leaders of Grace Church. And um, help us to learn, Lord, from our mistakes, myself included. And uh, we pray your blessing on, on, yeah, on the future of Grace Church and on, and on the leadership. We pray for this message now as we jump into a message on spiritual gifts, that you would bless us, Lord, that you would teach us what you want us to learn, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us in some way. And uh, may you be honored this morning. Amen. 
All right, so we are in kind of a mini uh, series on spiritual gifts, even though my first message on spiritual gifts was I, I shared it just before I left on vacation. I'm doing part two now on spiritual gifts, and we're just looking at a different passage. The first passage, part one, was in Romans chapter 12, and the second part of this series is 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, I shared last time when I started my previous message, we talked about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was one of the best, well, people would say he was the best basketball player that ever lived. But it wasn't until the time where he decided to be more of a team player that his team finally started winning championships. And I believe the church, the God designed the church in a similar way. He designed the church to be a team, to be a body where we all have different gifts and abilities to contribute for the building up of the, of the church. And so the passage we're looking at today is 1 Corinthians 12. This letter was written by the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians. And he, in this letter, he was addressing all sorts of, well, there was church conflict. There's problems that were happening in the church. He was addressing all those issues. He was addressing questions. And later on, in the latter portion of the book of 1 Corinthians, the letter of 1 Corinthians, he then got onto more practical uh, issues and practical areas. And then we in 1 Corinthians 12, we see this list of spiritual gifts that Paul uh, highlights here. And then it's followed by 1 Corinthians 13, which is the, one of the most popular chapters on love. And in context, you have to remember that these gifts that God gives us is for the purpose of serving the church out of love. They're not to be used for self-serving purposes. So let me go ahead and read this passage to you. It's 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 to 11. And, um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about each of these gifts. So 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another in the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines." And we'll stop there. So um, we, uh, there's nine gifts that Paul lists in this passage. But before we go to those nine gifts, I want to just do a little, make, make a few comments here before we jump into this. First off, when we talk about spiritual gifts, it's really important for us to remember that God is the one who gives these gifts. These are supernatural gifts and abilities that God gives for the sake of others. And which, which also means that these gifts cannot be manufactured by human effort um, or by some human strategy or whatever. No, these are supernatural gifts that God gives, which is, which is pretty special. And that we are to use these gifts in service to God and others, not supposed to be used for self-serving or self-glorifying purposes. Also, I find that this list is, is not exhaustive. This list in 1 Corinthians 12 is very different from Romans chapter 12. There is one gift which is labeled as prophecy, which you, which you find in both lists. But other than that, they're a very different list. So that tells me that these, uh, this list is not exhaustive. And I want to say this as well, that everyone 
if, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, if you are a believer and the Holy Spirit lives in you, everyone is, you are gifted in some way. Everyone is gifted in some way, which means that you have something unique and special to offer to the body of Christ to build up the church. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, how smart you are, how not smart you think you are. <laughs> it doesn't matter um, man or woman, everyone, uh, every believer has something to contribute to, to, to offer to the greater church. I also find it helpful when looking at passages like this to consult with a greater Christian community. Uh, sometimes we kind of only like to look at these passages only within our own little kind of bubble. And I'm so thankful for my background. I grew up uh, and I have, I have, I call myself a Christian mutt. Uh, some of you will know that I grew up Catholic. I've been involved in the Alliance Church, of course. I've uh, been involved in Pentecostal and Vineyard churches. My education is Baptist-affiliated, and of course, I'm in the FEBC now with Mennonite Roots and stuff. And so I find it very helpful that I've been involved in very different denominations. And, uh, and I think it's exciting sometimes when you look at this passage through different kinds of lenses. And so what I've done after I kind of looked, went through this passage myself, I just felt led to call one of my Pentecostal pastor friends. His name is Ken Gretter. He gave me permission to use his name and share some of his stories and just picked his brain on his perspective of what some of these gifts could, um, could mean according to his uh, denomination and his way of thinking. So I'm going to mix in some of my own thoughts with Pastor Ken's thoughts, which I found to be very helpful. Okay, so we're going to look at the, the gifts now, the nine gifts in this passage. And the first one is a message of wisdom. And I just want to remind us, first and foremost, that true knowledge and true wisdom comes from God, and, and it, starts, it starts with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I think it's also helpful when Paul is talking about a gift of wisdom here, it's important to understand in context what Paul thinks of wisdom. And in the same letter this, that this passage is written in, 1 Corinthians 12, in the same letter, if you rewind about 12 chapters, you'll see that Paul is talking about wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 22 and following, it says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the what? And the wisdom of God. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the what? The wisdom from God. For Paul, in the same letter that he writes about the spiritual gifts, Jesus is the wisdom of God. And so for Paul, it's possible that this message of wisdom, this gift of wisdom, could be preaching the gospel, the simple truths of God that simply point people to Christ. You have a, some kind of a, a wise way to somehow point people to Christ. Perhaps the gift of wisdom could be sharing truths of God that the, that the spiritually in tune individuals would appreciate and understand. And sometimes the, the simple truths and wisdom of God, they're so easy to understand if you're a believer, but it's, sometimes I'm I'm just dumbfounded how some people don't understand just the simple truths uh, of God. But perhaps someone with a, with a gift of wisdom knows how to communicate that. 
when I would talk to my friend, Pastor Ken, he would say that the gift of wisdom, it seems like for him, uh, the gift of wisdom is a little bit wrapped up in the gift of prophecy in that you might have a special word for someone for their future, maybe some wisdom, maybe some guidance to help direct someone in their future. The second gift that we see here is the message of knowledge, and it's related to the first gift. For Pastor Ken, I appreciated some of his stories, which, which I'll share in a second, but uh, for Ken, it's the supernatural ability from God to give a word of knowledge uh, from heaven that you might not otherwise know. It could be praying for a stranger whom you've never met before and praying for something specific over their life, a specific detail over their life, and you're praying for that because the Spirit has prompted you to do that in a supernatural way. Or even someone you know, but you're praying about something specific in their life that you would have never have known unless the Spirit prompted you to, to do that. And Ken shared some examples, which, which I thought were pretty cool. There was a time when Ken was in a, a worship service. He felt prompted by the Holy Spirit at the end of the worship service to tell someone that he says, you know, I, I feel like there's someone in our church service. He's a businessman, and he's contemplating doing business with an organization called Zephyr. The word Zephyr is coming to mind. Z-E-P-H-E-R. And you need to know that the Lord is, is prompting you to go ahead and do business with that organization. And sure enough, as the service closed, the man came forward and said, how do you, how do you know that? And Ken said, I didn't know that. And I'm paraphrasing because I wasn't there. But, uh, but the Spirit had prompted Ken to encourage this man to go and do business with an organization he'd never heard of before. And it's the Spirit that gave that special word of knowledge. In a similar way, Ken was in a service um, uh, and he was doing announcements, and he felt led by the Holy Spirit to pause, to stop doing announcements, and speak to a man who was viewing online. And he felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit apparently told him that there was a man by the name of Ted who was watching online, and he was discouraged. I think perhaps that man may have been suicidal even. And Ken had said, there's a man named Ted watching the service. Others would call you Teddy, and you're experiencing a, a tremendous amount of discouragement right now, and the, and the Spirit's prompting me to tell you to call in right now for prayer and encouragement. And sure enough, there was a man watching online, and Ken had no knowledge of that from a human perspective, and that person was able to call in and get the prayer and encouragement that they needed. And that's just an, two examples of how God supernaturally worked through someone to give someone a, a, a word of knowledge to help encourage someone in need. What about faith, number three? What about the gift of faith? You know, there's a passage in Matthew 17 where the disciples, they try to cast out a demon, but they can't do that. They can't do it. And they go to Jesus, they're debriefing, they're talking to him, and he explains to them why. And Matthew 17, 20 says, he replied, because you have so little faith. He says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And so the gift of faith might be an unusual trust in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit's power. Excuse me. You know, I wonder there are certain characters uh, in the Bible, certain heroes of the faith, who had the gift of faith. Um, I wonder if Joshua and Caleb had this gift. You know, these were two men who went out with a group of 12 spies to explore the land the promised land that God had promised to give to the people of Israel. And these 12 spies went out. They came back. The two, Joshua and Caleb, said they could do it. We could do it. Even though there's, there's a huge number of people, even though there's giants, God promised us 
that we would have this land and we should go out and fight and do it, but the, but, the, but the other ten said, no, we can't, and they discouraged the entire community of Israel. Excuse me. But Joshua and Caleb were honored for their faith. David, King David, was another example. Where Goliath, he's insulting Israel and the God of Israel, of course, and, and little young David, the, he's a boy, he comes and he's, he's saying, why in the world are we allowing this Goliath of a man to insult the king of heaven? The king of Israel, this doesn't make any sense. He just picks up a slingshot, grabs a few rocks, and he goes to battle. He takes out this Goliath of a man. And uh, David was a man of faith who just had unusual trust in, in, in God's power. Another man that comes to mind is Elijah, the prophet Elijah, where he prayed that it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed that it would rain, and almost all of a sudden it did rain. And so... Perhaps the gift of faith is just believing in supernatural things. Uh, there's a story that Ken shared with me on this point, which I thought was fun. It was, of course it's fun when you hear these stories. There was someone in his church who had terminal cancer. And the Lord had stirred up, I guess, a gift of faith in that person. And that person believed that they would be healed. And they claimed this healing that, that God had put on their heart. And, uh, well, they went to the doctor and did some more tests. And the, doc the doctor was absolutely flabbergasted, surprised to discover that this person no longer had any cancer. Praise God for that. Amazing. The fourth gift is the gift of healing. Now, this could relate to healing of illness through prayer and the laying on of hands. James chapter 5 talks about that, and we've practiced this at our church. James 5, verse 14 to 15, is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Now, the gift of healing in this case could be given to church leaders. And you should know that we have experienced this at our church. And I'm looking at one guy right here right now. And uh, Gary's not the only one that we prayed for and We've seen healing, and man, it's such a privilege, such a privilege to pray for someone and for them to experience healing. Uh, my last church that I was a part of, it seemed like it seemed like there's a lot of women who just couldn't conceive, and there's a lot of women who came forward for prayer to conceive a child, and as they came forward to leadership and as they were prayed over, they were conceiving, and I guess word spread, and all the women who couldn't have babies, they all kept on coming forward to, to get prayer, and they all got pregnant. And then we had like a baby boom in the church. It's amazing. <laughs> God is good. And you know, the gift of healing, I don't think is just restricted to those in leadership. I believe there are individual people in the congregation, in our congregation, in other congregations who have this gift. And you might know you have this gift if you are generally more prone to, when you pray for people, that maybe they're more prone to get healed. And uh, I kind of wonder if my wife might have this gift. There's other people that might have this gift. And I want to say this before I move on to the next gift. I want to say this. God, God still heals people in our world today. I think it's absolutely bonkers that people think that God doesn't work in the same way in our world today as he did in, in, perhaps in the book of Acts. And that God, God doesn't heal in the same way today as he did in the past. That's, that's not correct. Now, it might not happen a whole lot in our culture for, for whatever reason, but God still heals people. He's still alive. He's still active in our world. He's still healing people. He's still doing amazing things. Praise God that he has not abandoned us. 
He still heals. The fifth gift is miraculous powers. Now, this could refer to miraculous healings, maybe casting out demons. And some of you know that a few years ago I was involved in casting out a demon. It was such a weird experience that I'm happy to never uh, experience again. Um, but anyways, uh, anyways, miraculous powers could refer to miraculous healings, maybe casting out demons, maybe other signs and wonders. Um, Paul had, the apostle may have had this gift. He said, uh, he says here in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, he says, I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. There was a case where Paul in Acts chapter 20, he was preaching the gospel and there was a young man named Eutychus who I, I guess was so riveted by what Paul had to say, he fell asleep. Uh, I'm being sarcastic, by the way. <laughs> this young man falls asleep while Paul is preaching. He's in a third story of a, a building of some kind. He, he, he falls asleep on the windowsill, falls out to his death. And Paul, he stops preaching. He stops doing whatever he's doing. He runs out, and he brings this young man back to life. He raises this man from the dead. And um, it looks like Paul gave, or God gave Paul this gift of being able to perform miraculous powers. Uh, Pastor Ken shared, and some of his missions trips, he and his colleagues that he, he went on, he shared some stories of how people were healed in incredible ways. He talked about how there were barren women who couldn't conceive. They prayed for them, and after they followed up with them, after some time, they were able to conceive. Uh, he talked about how they prayed for the blind, and they were given sight. He talked about how he prayed for the deaf, and they were able to hear. Uh, God still works in miraculous ways in our world today. Gift number six is prophecy. Now, I've already talked about prophecy in my previous message, and so if you want to know my thoughts on that, just go back to the previous message and check it out. But there is one story that Ken kind of put in this category that I felt was very helpful. Ken shared a story of someone in his ministry, someone who, um, someone with a gift of prophecy that they brought in as a visitor to their church one day. And this person with the gift of prophecy uh, had this vision that the Lord gave them, this vision that uh, an elder in his church was having an affair. And it was a vision uh, that of, of, of this man getting into a car with a woman who was not his own. And so with that vision, these, this man who had this gift of prophecy and the pastor felt the need to go talk to an elder, this elder. So they talked to the elder. They kind of brought this up very gently and just asked him how his marriage was going. And apparently the elder said his marriage was going fine. And at that point, this person with this gift of prophecy felt led to share this vision of this man getting into a car with a woman who was not his wife. And as this man shared this vision, the elder immediately dropped to his knees and started bawling like a baby in repentance because he realized that God had seen that he was having an affair and he needed to come clean and repent. And um, that man was restored from what I heard and know. But in this case, now this might, I, mean, I don't know whether you would put this in the pro prophetic category or in the, uh, perhaps that was more of a word of knowledge category, whatever the case, it was something that the Spirit did supernaturally to work through one individual to confront another individual in the Lord that only the Spirit could have done and been involved in. The next uh, gift in this um, list is number seven, distinguishing between spirits. Now, somebody might call this gift the gift of discernment. 
and it might refer to the ability to know when truth or error is being spoken uh, or, and whether perhaps a prophet is true or false. And it's interesting that this gift is listed right after the gift of prophecy because, yes, a prophecy is a real thing, but then we also need to balance that out with someone who can discern whether a prophet speaking truth or not. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. He also says this in 1 Timothy 4. Paul says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, or later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. And it was John who said in 1 John 4, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so again, discernment is the ability to uh, discern uh, truth from error, correct teaching and false teaching. And we need discernment in our world today for sure. After talking to my friend, Pastor Ken, he would add to this uh, that someone with the gift of discernment might have the ability to kind of see things that are going on in the spiritual realm. You might be able to see the demonic. You might be able to see angels. You might even be able to see human spirits. And he shared a story of, I don't know if it was a pastor or a preacher uh, in the midst of a church service or at a, some kind of a seminar, but it doesn't really matter. There was a man who walked into this service, and he was hunched over in pain. He was depressed. He, had this, he was complaining of this splitting headache. And in this moment, I guess it was the pastor who had seen this man, and he was able to discern and look into the spiritual realm and he was able to see a demon on this man's back, a grotesque-looking demon that looked like a monkey that was just had his hands like a death grip over the man's head, and that's why he was complaining of a headache. And it was in that moment where the pastor felt led to pray for this man and pray that this demon would leave him, that he would be cast off. And as he did that, the demon left the man, and as the, man, uh, as the demon left the man, the man felt instant relief and was so thankful, but... The pastor, yeah, praise the Lord, the pastor still saw that the demon standing right there in front of him, and the pastor had to then look at the demon. No one else could see this demon, apparently. And the pastor then had to tell the demon to go, and he saw the demon walk out of the building, walk into the foyer, turn around, and one more time the pastor had to tell the demon to take off. And people were wondering who he was talking to, and the pastor said, well, I saw, and he explained what he had seen and saw. And so perhaps someone with the gift of discernment not only has the ability to discern truth from error, but perhaps someone with a gift of discernment also has the ability to, to see into the spiritual realm as God allows. Two more gifts. Number eight, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Now, there are two different, main different types of interpretation when it comes to this gift. And there's been a lot of controversy over this. And the, again, there's two main different ideas of what this can mean. And I honestly think both are acceptable. The first one is the ability to speak in earthly languages that you weren't able to speak before. In Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit pouring over the believers. And all of a sudden, they're speaking the gospel. They're preaching the gospel in tongues in, in earthly languages that they had never been able to do for why? Because the, because, the, because the Spirit gave them the supernatural ability to do so. Pastor Ken, he shared a story of how he was uh, ministering in a Spanish-speaking nation. I don't know what, can't remember what nation it was. He was on a missions trip. He couldn't speak Spanish, but he felt prompted to stand up and preach the message in Spanish. 
and he had a translator with him, and he just did that. He, he stood up, and he was able to preach the gospel in Spanish, and he had never been able to speak Spanish before. And the translator, whoever it was that was working with him, was so impressed, was probably more impressed by that miracle than whatever it is he was saying, that he actually came to faith because he has witnessed this Englishman preaching Spanish, uh, preaching the gospel in, his, in, a, in a different language. Um, so some believe that tongues is just simply when the Spirit gives you supernatural ability to speak in a different earthly language. I also think the second option is that it also refers to an, an ecstatic language or a heavenly language that we just simply don't understand. No human, well, it's not an earthly language. Romans, Paul says in Romans 8, 26, he says, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Also, if you look in your Bible, if you flip the page from the passage you're reading today, 1 Corinthians 12, you flip the page or whatever Bible you have, if you look at the next chapter in the very first couple of verses, you'll see Paul talking about uh, speaking in the tongues of angels, speaking in the tongues of angels, which leads me to believe that some that God does give people the ability to speak in a heavenly language that the angels can understand. And, you know, I, and I know people in my life who can speak in tongues, who I, who I perceive speak in this heavenly language that I don't understand, and maybe they themselves don't understand, uh, but it's something that, that can be done privately in, um, you know, with, with like-minded people or with uh, privately in your own home. Uh, but, it, but it's cool to, to hear, sometimes even I pray with some people here at, uh, at Grace Church, and all of a sudden I, I hear them whispering in this heavenly language, and it's kind of kind of fun. And number nine, the interpretation of tongues. Um, on a very practical level, the interpretation of tongues could be simply someone who could just simply has the ability to, to translate an earthly language. But um, it could also be someone who has the ability to translate a heavenly language. They hear someone speaking in a heavenly language and they're somehow able to interpret that, what they're saying. Uh, Ken shared a story of a runaway, someone who had fallen away from God, who was running away from God, and somehow God had kind of, you know, drew them in to perhaps attend a church service, and all of a sudden, someone in the church service is speaking in tongues that only that runaway can understand. And it's a message where God is speaking love uh, to that runaway, encouraging that runaway to come back in relationship with him. And so from Kent's perspective, these, this gift is often used to, to just bring people back to, is used by God to bring people back to himself. So let me just, just share a handful of comments to kind of summarize and just some important things for us to remember as we think about spiritual gifts. Um, I want to say this. First off, just because you don't have a particular gift doesn't make you any less of a Christian. This has been a very sad truth over the, or a sad teaching that has been around uh, for perhaps more in a previous generation, but it still is around in our world today, that this is particularly around the, the gift of tongues. Some people have taught that, man, if you don't have the gift of tongues, you're somehow less of a Christian. You're a second-rate Christian for whatever reason. And that's just simply not true. It's not biblical. It's not right. It's incorrect teaching. Uh, God gives some people the gift of tongues, and he gives someone else something else. And if you don't have a certain gift, you are not any less of a Christian than anyone else. 
I want to balance that up by, by saying this. You might have a gift that's very sought after and desirable. That doesn't make you any better of a Christian than anyone else if you have a certain gifts. Maybe you have lots of gifts and you have maybe 10 gifts where someone has one or whatever. Maybe your gifts are disproportionate compared to someone else. Uh, but that, that, that doesn't make you any better of a Christian than anyone else. God gifts people in different ways for his purposes, and um, we don't need to judge each other or look down on anyone else uh, because of how God has gifted us or not gifted us. It's also possible, I want to say this, it's also possible to have a gift, but to not use it properly. Just because you have the gift of discernment doesn't mean you're discerning everything correctly. I think... Um, it's very important if you have a gift, let's say the gift of discernment, that as you're trying to discern something, you're also passing your thoughts by spirit-filled believers and running it by people, keeping yourself accountable with whatever gift that God has given you. I think it's also possible to have a gift and abuse it for self-serving purposes, for selfish purposes, but God told us to do the opposite. Again, if you look at the context of this passage, if you look at the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, the purpose of spiritual gifts is to use it out of love for others, to build up the church, to honor the Lord, to not be prideful about it, to not be full of yourself, but to use it to build up the church. One of the things I appreciated with Ken as I talked to Pastor Ken, he says that uh, he, he, from his perspective, he felt that God will often want to use these gifts, all these gifts, to draw people to himself, to restore people to himself, to reconcile people to himself, to build up and encourage the body and bring glory to himself. And, and one of the last things I just wanted to, to say here as well is that um, just, just, to, just a reminder that God is amazing. He is so good. He is, he is so, so awesome. It's, God did not have to give us his spirit. He didn't have to share these gifts with us. He could have just snapped his fingers and did everything himself. But he chose to, through his spirit, to reside in us, to, to give us these gifts to not only build up the body, but it's, it's so encouraging when you are part of something supernatural in someone's life and, and you could say, man, I, God gave me the privilege of being a part of that. Um, it's just something that just, it just electrifies your soul. It creates excitement. It creates buzz. It just, it just makes your heart just pour out of, just, just pour out with, with thanks for, to God for allowing us to partner with him in those ways. And I thank God that he is still alive and active in our world today just as much as he was at every other part and point in history. Uh, there's one thing I forgot to say earlier on that I think it's relevant here. Um, you know, as time progresses and as you read Scripture, it seems to indicate to me that as, as we get closer to the end, it seems to me Scripture seems to be saying that he's going to be pouring out his Spirit more and more and more. The opposite is not true. That God, it doesn't seem to be in Scripture where it says that as time goes on, God's going to pull back his, his Spirit or restrain his Spirit, but he's going to He's going to pour out his spirit in all sorts of exciting ways. The passage Joel 2, I think, comes to mind. I don't know the exact reference where he says he's going to cause our people to, to prophesy and have dreams and visions. And that just seems to be something that's going to continue to grow as time progresses. So the spirit is still at work. God is still at work. He's still healing. He's still doing miraculous things, amazing things. And he's partnering with us. To do those things. That is so, so amazing and humbling. And uh, that's one thing I appreciate about our good Lord. Let me pray and invite the worship team to come back. Lord, you are so good. You are so awesome. You are so gracious.
Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you, Lord, for sending us your spirit uh, to partner with us, to work with you. Thank you that you've indwelled every single believer here with something special and unique and precious to offer to the building up of your body. And Lord, we pray that we would, you would help us discover where we're gifted and that you would help us, you would train us and teach us to use our spiritual gifts for your glory and your purposes. Uh, and so that it would not only benefit us, but it would benefit the church. And even our world, too, as they, as they see the Spirit working, it's, it's hard to deny um, your presence in our life and our world when, you see, when, when the world sees the Spirit working in supernatural ways. So bless us, Lord, as we consider where we're gifted and help us, give us wisdom to know how best to, to use it for the building up of your church. Amen.